This podcast is for a mature audience only. Bye. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me again. This is already episode eight. So, for those of you who have been listening along, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm hoping that you like it, assuming that you do if you've listened this far. <laughs> um, but please, I would always love feedback, um, even if it's negative. If I say anything that's incorrect, please call me out on it, leave a comment, message me, whatever you want to do. But again, thank you so much for those of you who have been listening. Um, I really appreciate your support. And you know what? I want to ask you if you can support me a little bit by if you're not already doing so, by subscribing to the podcast wherever you listen to it. So, like, maybe it's on Spotify or Apple, which is most likely the case, or, like, Pocket Cast or wherever else you listen. Subscribe to it, and if you can, leave a five-star review. That would be awesome. That also helps me out. And and also, you know, $1,000 per month. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, so... Today's guest is named Tori Mendez. We actually worked together for a little bit, and we also grew up in the same church, so we had a lot of like mutual friends. Tori is awesome. We have a really cool conversation. So we talk about some pretty cool things. We talk about meditation, about fear, mindset, breath work, and other practices that help for self-improvement. Uh, Tori also co-founded something called Guided Retreats. And this is a place where her and her friend, also business partner, hold retreats for women where they have guided meditations, um, they journal, they work on their mindsets in order to heal and find more self-love, self-awareness and gratitude, and much more. So this is part of her business, part of her lifestyle. So yeah, we talk about these things and... It, it was really fun to reconnect and talk about some interesting things that we both enjoy. So I hope you also enjoy, and we will take it from there. Thank you so much. Well, um, Tori, thank you so much for, for agreeing to be on the podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy to have you and to talk with you more, to hear more about your story, and um, talk about some cool topics. Sweet. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. So why don't we jump in and maybe, if you don't mind, just introducing yourself a little bit, talk about maybe your childhood a little bit, where you grew up, maybe what you're doing now and stuff like that. Okay. Ooh, it's hard to like pile that all into a little <laughs> phrase, but um, so I grew up in Southern California. Um, I have two really awesome parents. I feel very, very blessed because I had a very good like family dynamic. Um, obviously there's struggles within all of that, but overall I had very loving parents. Um, and I have four siblings. So I have an older sister and then me and then a brother and two younger sisters. Um, my oldest sister is disabled. She, so that was kind of a big part of my childhood. Um, so she's right older than me and she's three years older than me. And when she was seven, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor and they did surgery operated. And then she was like 
in the surgery, there was complications and she had to relearn how to do everything. So it was like having a brand wow. new baby at seven years old. And yeah. so I was four at the time of that. So that was like a really big part of my childhood. It was like lots of that kind of stuff. And then when she was 13, it came back and mm. they were like, it's inoperable. Like it's too close to the brainstem to operate. And so they gave her like three months to live. And mm. I mean, it was touch and go. She was on hospice. And like, as a kid, I was like, I did not realize what hospice was till yeah, sure, I became an adult. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize what hospice was. Um, anyway, so she was on hospice, but she just like kept on keeping on. And she is now 30 and wow. lives on her own and is doing really awesome. Um, awesome. Good for her. So yeah, kind of crazy, but I mean, lots that comes along with that, which I mean, yeah. I'm very blessed and lucky, but I think I learned a lot of lessons. Definitely. Um, no, I, I too, that. I don't know if you knew this about me and my family, but my sister, um, one of my, I have like a lot of sisters, so I have six sisters, Okay. <laughs> but one of them, um, when she was born, I was, I think I was like 11 or 12, but she was born with down syndrome. So okay. And obviously my mom knew during labor, like during her pregnancy that, that you know, that she was going to be delivering yeah. um, somebody with Down syndrome. And actually the doctors told her that the baby would probably not live, um, wow. like just like past, past labor. And um, so, yeah, for, same thing for me. Similarly, like it was, it was pretty difficult and I was young. I didn't really know like what that yeah. was and what that meant, you know, and we were sort of planning on like, the baby not surviving, you know, and, um, obviously she did, she had open heart surgery, like after being born after two days, you know, so it was a really big deal. She was a really small baby too. So it was just like this really traumatic, um, event, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, so I can sort of relate to you in, in that as far as like siblings and going through that and kind of seeing how like it affects the family, you know, but it also, I mean, as much as it can cause stress and like worry and like doubt, it also brings the family together. Was that the case for you and your family? Um, I think so. I mean, from my perspective, I think that my parents battled a lot during that time. Sure. Um, but I like now as a grown up, I like sit here and I'm like amazed at like everything that they did and that they didn't let it like pull them apart because it would have been so easy. Yeah. There was, they still had two other kids at home at the time. And my mom was pregnant at the time that like all mm -hmm. of this started happening. And so, and so like one person would stay home with the kids and then the other one would be at the hospital with my sister. And so right. I just like now looking at it, I'm just amazed at like how they did that and how they yeah. let it pull them closer together. And I think a big, big, big piece of that is like communication. Definitely. Yeah. Same thing with my mom, you know, like she was she was told by the doctors when she was pregnant, like to lay on a certain side, um, to stay in bed the whole time because any type of movement could potentially like hurt the baby. Right. Yeah. And, um, she was super, super diligent and, you know, listened to the doctors, you know, she laid in bed her whole nine months of being pregnant. And, um, you know, obviously miraculously my sister was born and, um, she's such a, a beautiful person, you know? But just people in general with special needs of any kind, like they just have this like love about them. They're just really happy, okay. you know. They're not they're not caught in the in like the worldly things of mm -hmm. what what people like you and I might worry about. You know, they're just so um, innocent, you know. Yeah. And um, as much as it was a trial for me and my family during that time, 
looking back now, like it's, it was such a blessing because she actually brought our family closer together and she's just always happy. She's always happy. She's always laughing and making jokes and teasing us. And, um, it's really special for sure. Totally. I agree with that. My sister very much lives in love and I tend to lean towards the fear side of things. <laughs> no, but, too much, yeah, but for sure. Me too. It's a good reminder <laughs> to like live in love. But yeah. yeah. So that was a big part of my childhood. And then, um, I tested out of high school when I was 16. I'm like this little weirdo because (laughs) I just didn't love it. And I was over it and I didn't want to do it anymore. And (laughs) so I tested out of high school and then, um, I went to a community college, like by my parents' house. And then when I was 18, I moved up to Idaho and started going to school up here. And then I graduated in 2015 in that timeline. I had met my husband and then we had broken up for a while and I was like, I'm going back to California. Like I'm not staying in this cold place. (laughs) Right. And so I went back to California. Just things were not working out for me. And I just felt like I needed to come back to Idaho. So I did. And then here we are (laughs) nine years later. That's awesome. Good for you. Good for you. Congratulations. Do you guys have kids at all or no? We don't. That's actually kind of been a huge part of my journey as well. Um, Like over the past little bit, we've been trying to have kids and it just hasn't been working out for us. And, um, it's been a huge lesson for me in Mm. surrendering. And, uh, I'm feel like I'm still learning the lesson because I haven't quite gotten there yet, but yeah, it's been good. Yeah. Cool. Good. Good for you. You know, um, it's interesting, you know, it seems like a lot of people think that getting pregnant is so easy. Right. But yeah. for a lot of people, it's, it's not like, even for me and my wife, um, we had our first child when we were already married for like four, four or five years. And it's, we weren't like not trying. So it was just kind of like whatever happened, happened. Right. She got pregnant eventually. And then she had a miscarriage, um, which was really hard on oh. her especially, but yeah, like we just, for, for whatever reason, it just wasn't, the timing wasn't right for us. And yeah, so I, I wish you the best of luck and then um, my, my blessings to you and your husband. And hopefully when the time is right for both of you, that it'll happen, you know? Yeah, and totally. It, it's cool. Like I have a, one of my friends, she was having a difficult time getting pregnant. They were trying for years and years and they tried all the different types of ways to get pregnant through like the medical field and things like that. And eventually I think they had like, I forget what the terminology is, but they had their, she had like her eggs frozen and they got, um, I forget what the process is called where they and like, in, uh, what is it called? I'm having a brain fog IVF? here. That What's that? IVF. Is that what you're thinking? Of? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And what does that stand for again? It's like, um, in, in vitro, in vitro. There you go. There you go. So. So she, no, I think, <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. So she had that. And then eventually after that, she had twins, which is quite common okay. from what I've heard for that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, there's, it's cool how, um, how nowadays, like if it's hard to get pregnant, there's still ways to get pregnant. Yeah, it is really cool. One of my uh, really good friends, she, uh, I was like having a rough time with it and we were like sitting there talking about it. And she was like, you know, like, she's like, you know, like 
this child that's going to come to you is like its own soul. Right. And you get to be the vessel in which it comes and that's awesome. But like, maybe it's not about you. Like maybe they're just not Mm. ready to come. And so that was something that like really was like a big shifter for me that helped me like deal with the situation a lot better is like, maybe it's not about me. Maybe it's not about me Mm. being ready. Maybe it's about like this little child that's going to come this little soul. And like, yeah, I get to be the vessel in which it comes, but like they're their own person. And so yeah. that's something that I kind of clung to and hung on to. And I think it that's makes awesome. it a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it more meaningful. I totally agree with that. You know, a lot of times we get stuck in the mindset of what we want and when we want it. And then, um, it's not, it's not always like that. Sometimes we have to think about, you know, what the universe wants for us or what God wants for us. And when, when that timing is right you know? Um, cause you know, we, we both grew up Mormon, right. Yes. And it's, it's funny because I was, <laughs> when I reached out to you, I think it was a few weeks ago at first I was thinking, I was like, wait, how do I know Tori? Like, how do we, how did we first meet? And I was thinking, <laughs> I was like, I, I know we're both in the church and stuff and we have like a lot of mutual friends. And I was like, wait a second, we work together. <laughs> and I was like, we worked yeah. out. And I was like, oh yeah, I, I had totally forgotten about I that. I totally whole, spaced that. Right? So I was like, that's <laughs> so right. Funny. You worked at Old Town. Like, yeah. That's how, I was like, that's how we kind of knew each it's other. Old bakery. Yeah. How, how long did you work there for? Um, That's a good question. Um, I worked there. It was a good amount of time. And then even when I went up to school, when I would come mm-hmm. home on like my off tracks or like off semesters, um, I would work there again. So it's hard oh, cool. for me to like piece it all together. <laughs> but a good significant amount of time. That's cool. Sure. That's really cool. Do you still yeah. kind of stay in touch with some of the people there? Are you, are you pretty close to them or? Uh, yeah, like not here so and much? there, but not as much as I probably could. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But yeah, yeah no. a little bit. Yeah, no, that was a cool job. I, I worked there for like, I don't know, six months. And I was like one of the delivery drivers. Um, and I know you were working yeah. inside. Um, I used to always get one of these sandwiches like every single day. I think you would make it for That's me. Actually. Right. Sandwich maker is on <laughs> Dude, my resume. Yes. Professional sandwich <laughs> maker. And those sandwiches were so good. They were so bomb. Oh my. They were really good. <laughs> yeah, for, for real. Cool. But I, I did kind of want to talk to you just a little bit about like Mormonism. Um, yeah. So we were bo- you were born and raised Mormon, right? Correct. Is your whole family still active? Um, yeah. So I have one sister who was inactive as okay. well, but other than that, the majority of them are still active. Okay, cool. And yeah. and you sort of have like sort of evolved away from the church a little bit. Is that right? Yeah, I would say probably in the last six, seven ish years. Okay. Um, I've kind of evolved past the church. Um, and it was a really big piece of my, like growing up and childhood and lots of things that I like love and respect about it. Um, and a lot of my really good friends and family obviously are still practicing Mormonism and I just have chosen not to. Um, and I think a big part of that was just when I developed my intuition and Mm. realized that it was my intuition, um, I feel just very at peace with like how I live my life. And I don't feel like I need organized religion to feel spiritual, feel close to God or, um, have direction for my life. And so, um, I feel really comfortable and happy with like how I live my life and super at peace with it. And so it just doesn't include an organized Mm. religion, but 
I respect everybody who chooses that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Similarly, I, I feel the same way. You know, I, I left the church like almost seven years ago now. And um, for me, it was really tough, you know, and I think it's tough for a lot of people that leave because um, I, I really believed it. Like I went on a mission and did all like the typical Mormon things, you know, yeah. and um, it was like my whole life. You know, it was everything that I knew, everything I believed in was stemmed from the church. And once I left it, like it was a big blow for me. You know, I was super depressed and like I didn't really because I was used to being kind of told the answers um, and like already having them. Right. And then once I no longer believed it, like there were some things that like doctrinally didn't like jive with me. And then just like some social things that I didn't really agree with. Um <laughs> And then I realized, you know what, this probably isn't for me. And um, yeah, like I said, so it was, it was tough to have to go through that. But I'm also grateful because it allowed me to be the person who I am now, you know. And initially, like after leaving probably for the first couple of years, well, maybe the first few years, it turned me into like a really kind of angry atheist um, because I didn't really know what else to relate it to. Right. So like, imagine, I mean, I'm sure you can imagine this, but imagine having like believing in this specific God and religion and then turning away from it, you don't really have anything else. And so it's kind of like hard to find for yourself what the answers are. And you have to like put everything back together and find out for yourself, which can be really scary. Like it made it difficult for me to trust myself with information and to trust my feelings and I think we're going to get into that maybe later, a little bit later on about trusting ourselves and, um, you know, going through feelings. But for me, you know, it was tough, but ultimately, you know, just like you, I respect my, like a lot of my families, uh, more Mormon still very much believing and I respect them. You know, I understand why they believe. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think religion can help out so many people and it does. And I think for other people, it just, it doesn't. And that's okay. You know what I mean? We all have our different journeys in life, different paths. And so I, I loved being a Mormon. It was everything to me. And I still love my, my Mormon friends. And since leaving, I won't stay on this topic too long, but, um, but since leaving, um, having left. So it's, like I said, it's been about seven years. And I would say about two years ago, I finally was able to find my spirituality again mm -hmm. and it's totally changed my life because like I said before, I was really atheist, sort of like agnostic. I didn't really like religion at all. Um, I thought it was dumb and all this stuff. And it was just my ego projecting that, that those thoughts and those beliefs. And now I look back and I'm like, man, I was such an idiot for thinking that way, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I probably burned some bridges with some people, by the way, I may have acted towards them or what I may yeah. have said to them. And, um, I've tried to reach out to many people to apologize. I'm a different person now, but it's, it's, I honestly owe it to leaving the church because it's what has allowed me to find my, my true self now. Yeah, totally. I think it's a really interesting thing when, I mean, if you grow up in like any religion that's like very organized. Um, and then when you get older and you start to like question things for yourself and there's just like so much internal conflict, yeah. so much internal conflict. Yes, for sure. Um, 
And I think that was one of, so my husband is not LDS. And when I was dating him, that was kind of like, well, I don't know if lots of people are aware of this, but like, it is very regular, um, or it's very, it's admired. I don't know the right word to use. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's encouraged that you marry someone within the same religion because they want you to get married in the temple. And I think that's great for so many people. Um, but I met my husband, I love my husband and we dated. And then it kind of was the thing that kind of pulled us apart when we broke up for a little bit, because Mm. I was just like, well, this is what I need to do. Like, this is what I've been told. And so then we ended up not being together for a while. And that time period of us, like not being together really like told me a lot, like, I was like, well, I can either choose like this. And it started making me be like, well, what do I want for me? What does like Tori Mm -hmm. want for Tori? Not what does like my mom want for me or my dad want for me or my my siblings or like anybody else. Like it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like, what do I want? And Mm -hmm. so, um, we had been, we broke up for a while. And then I just was like, I started dating someone else and I have all of the best things to say about him. And he was like on paper exactly what anybody would want their like Mormon daughter to be dating. <laughs> and I just was not, I just like wasn't happy. It wasn't what I wanted. And so mm-hmm. um it was really like those moments that I was like, okay, like I'm gonna go like sit in this dark closet and decide for myself like what I want. And then I'm gonna choose that. And I think that was when I really started to like listen to my intuition and not outsource it as much and just choose like what was right for me. And so that was a huge part, I feel like, of my evolution and my journey and like shaped me a lot into who I am because I decided to follow that. And honestly, I'm so grateful that I did. And sometimes when I'm like still, when I get in those moments of like, what do other people want from me and what, but what feels right to me, I can like lean back on that. And I think it's given me a lot of trust in myself that like, I do make good decisions for myself. Yeah, totally. It's super interesting. Like so much internal conflict when you like grow up in that kind of atmosphere. Yeah, totally. I can totally relate. That's, that's really cool that you um, were able to, to get back with him and, 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 stay true to yourself. That's cool. Would you say that that was maybe one of your first moments of listening to your intuition? Uh, yeah, totally. Mm. I think before that, I mean, I definitely am a people pleaser. I'm going to say recovering people pleaser because I'm working Same here. Same here. No, yeah. Um, But I, I definitely am like, don't rock the boat. Like there's not space for that here. These are all false truths that I've been working through. Um, but I definitely am just like, let's keep it like I be the good one, whatever. Right. That's like, what <laughs> these are all like the things that I like believed growing up is like, be the right. good one, don't rock the boat. So it was like, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do so that like nobody else feels uncomfortable. Yes. And then, and in that moment, that was probably one of the first times that I really decided to like, listen to what I wanted rather mm. than just keeping the boat afloat. <laughs> yeah. It's wow. That's cool. That's it's, oh man, it's so fascinating and interesting that we allow other people to influence us totally. right totally. And, it's, and it's i think maybe maybe more especially those that are like more religious because it's kind of like in our dna sort of mm-hmm. um and i could be wrong on that but in my experience like yeah i was totally a, a people pleaser a crowd pleaser you know like i was um, expected to do certain things and to act certain ways, right. To be the good person, mm-hmm. to be the nice guy, 
even when it hurt me, even when I didn't want to be, you know, just, just like what you were saying. And much like you, I've gone through this journey of shedding those ideas and those beliefs and just being like, look, you know what? Like, I don't need to live for so-and-so. Like, I don't need to live for my mom and for my siblings and for my friends that I grew up with in the church or, or wherever, like, because at the end of the day, they're not going to be there for me my whole life. Right. And it, and it causes so much frustration and discomfort to live for somebody else's idea um, that they want or expect of you. And like, there's such a relief that comes when you do things for yourself. Yeah. And you, and you finally just realize that and um, it, it just changes everything and it, it gives you more, like it's sort of, how do you say it? Like it makes it easier to do it the next time for the next thing, you know, yeah. and you can just keep on building on and building on from that. So that's really cool. I'm glad that you were able yeah. to do that. And um, I'm sure we'll kind of talk more about that. But um, yeah, so let me ask you this question. So, so you kind of broke up with your boyfriend or was it your husband at the time or was it your boyfriend still? Uh, boyfriend. Okay. So you guys kind of broke up and then you got back with him, went back up to Idaho. Is that right? Yeah. Cool. And then eventually you got married. At what point would you say your spiritual, like your spirituality kind of kicked back in for you or this newer version of your spirituality? Yeah. Um, I would say it probably, it took a while. I wouldn't Mm. say I got very, I think I was more avoidant than anything about all of it. Um, I just kind of would avoid it. I mean, I think I had Mm. moments of like listening to my intuition, but I definitely feel like I was still living on autopilot and I'm super fascinated about like just living on autopilot and like referring back to like our subconscious. And so I think for like the longest time, I just was like going through the motions of like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And yeah, I was kind of branching out a little bit, but I didn't really like know why or like what was guiding me there. And I just kind of avoided the whole topic of spirituality, God, myself, whatever. (laughs) Um, And so, but it was probably back in, I would say like 2018, 2019 is when I really started to kind of dive in, um, to like my healing journey and, um, like started to transform a little bit into like the person that I wanted to be and not just like referring back to what I knew. Um, I always have been really into like personal development. Um, and I've like read books all throughout forever, like as long as I can remember, but it probably was in like 2018, 2019, I started, um, like meditating and journaling and those and doing like breath work. And those things were probably the most transformational for me. And then just like different types of experiences, like just by like meeting with different types of people and going to different retreats and things like that. Um, I think really helped me evolve into what I am today and continuing to evolve. That's beautiful. Was there somebody like a friend or anyone that like got you to start meditating or is it something that you kind of thought of on your own? 
Um, I was always intrigued by it, but my okay. best friend, her name's Amy, um, and she'll come up. I mean, we'll chat about her later because we have a business together. Yeah. Um, but she is like the one who encouraged it probably the most um, and kind of opened my eyes to all of that. And I am forever grateful for her for all of those things. Um, yeah, I bet. Sure. But yeah, she was probably the one who like influenced it the most in That's my amazing. personal life. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, in the beginning, let me ask you this. Was it difficult to meditate, like sit and meditate and be with your thoughts? Was that hard for you at first? Totally. I think, well, I mean, I think there's lots of like, I mean, there's lots of different definitions of meditation. Sure, um, sure. and I guess I would kind of lean towards like the mindfulness of meditation yeah. because I totally am like, it's about allowing your thoughts and observing your thoughts and yeah actually being like what's going on up here instead of just like cruising around like we always do. Um, and so I think once I understood it under that definition, it was a lot easier for me. It wasn't about silencing my mind. It wasn't about like letting go of everything and just sitting there. It was more about like being intentional and like recognizing what was going on in my head. And like, why do Mm. I feel that way? And like, is there a certain event that happened in my past that I'm now like reliving and I'm just like, I'm having to relearn the same lesson. So like, what is it? Um, I think once I started to do it more that way and I paired journaling with it, like I'm, I very much am a believer that like, I need to get it out of me. I need to get it out of my body. <laughs> it's like either yes. through art or Absolutely. Through journaling. It's like, it needs to be expressed for me yes. to be able to move on from things. Um, and so that was probably once I understood it in that way and I practiced it that way. Um, I feel like it got a lot easier for me, but definitely mm-hmm. challenging at the beginning. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, for me, it, it's kind of weird because like, there's sort of like this false understanding of meditation. For example, like a lot of people think it's a way to close off your thoughts, which it can be different because there's different types of meditation. Right. Um, but really like, I think the most important part is to like what you said to accept your thoughts as they come and, uh, pay attention to them, listen to them because it's going to teach you something. And and to be okay with those thoughts, right? And to be okay with those feelings because it's you have to really confront them and face them in order to deal with them. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, it, a lot of times there's things that are from the past, past traumas, um, physical trauma, emotional trauma, whatever it might be. And there's things that are in our subconscious that we have no idea that even was a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a whole separate issue. But um, yeah, to be able to sit with your thoughts and observe them. Um, for me, I have been meditating for about two years now. I started with mindfulness, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's totally helped me too. Like it's totally helped me out. And just to be okay with the thoughts that come that invoke the feelings and then being able to afterwards act on those feelings and deal with them, you know, because a lot of times, mm-hmm. a lot of us people, we, we don't like to face our feelings or to deal with them. And especially for me, I'm one to, um, keep my feelings in to keep my, my problems in to keep my like stress and anxiety in. I don't like to tell people too much about it. Even my own wife, you know, I would just kind of keep things from her. And then obviously Mm -hmm. she would pick up on that energy and she would realize like, Hey, what's going on. And maybe that's, maybe that's partially like of being a man. Most men don't like to discuss their feelings or their, their emotions. Right. 
Um, yeah. it's sort of, it's sort of like a taboo or a stigma for men to like break down crying or express their, their emotions. And once I was able to recognize that and accept that, then I was able to move beyond that and deal with the actual problem or issue or thought that I was having, you know, it's, it's, it's so wonderful, you know, for those that might be listening, uh, meditation is a huge blessing. It's a big tool that can show us so many things about ourselves, teach us so many things and really allow ourselves to, to deal with whatever is going on in our life, you know? Yeah, totally. I think, um, I mean, I agree with all of that. I think that like meditation for me, for us, like I just have for probably the majority of my life, I really struggled with self-love. I really struggled to like love myself and accept myself totally and completely. And I always, it was always like, I need to do this or I need to be this way or I need to look this way or I need to be all of these things in order to be loved and be okay and love myself. Um, And it was through meditation really that I feel like when I learned about myself and like actually sat down and was like, okay, if I do that, if I react this way, it's because of this. And like, there's reasons as to why I am the way I am. And like, I think once we know those things, we can accept them. Um, and so I think through like, you hear the phrase always like turn inward. Right. And for me, meditation is like turning inward. Meditation is like turning inward and asking like one, what do I want? One, why am I the way I am? And like, once I feel like I realized all of those things and learned about myself, um, I feel like it gave me a whole lot more self-love. That's amazing. Yeah. I think that's probably one of like the biggest things. And then, um, another thing you had said, was like, we realize we acknowledge the thought or feeling, and then there's like a feeling attached to it. And it was such a foreign concept to me when someone was like, feel your feelings. And I was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Feel our feelings, but like, no, like literally feel your feelings. That was like so mind blowing to me, which sounds so ridiculous, (laughs) but literally like feel your feelings. I was like, okay, that is so interesting. Like if someone comes panning out the door and you're like resisting it, it's going to last so much longer. Or if you're like avoiding it, it's going to last so much longer. Um, there's a study actually that I, I really like all the science and stuff behind all of this yeah. stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, preach, but there's preach. a study that's like, if you actually <laughs> feel your feelings on average, it lasts about 90 seconds. Which oh, is wow. Crazy. That yeah. is really crazy. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, a lot of us, we don't, want to feel our feelings too long. We try to avoid them and, and numb them and, and suppress them. Right. And because nobody likes to feel uncomfortable. Right. And those, those feelings are uncomfortable. No. And, but yeah, like you said, I mean, if you could just confront them and face them in maybe perhaps 90 seconds, maybe a little bit longer, like it'll be over and you don't have to worry about it anymore. At least not to that extent, you know? Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, um, of course. This is going to come up again, of course. Sure. But I mean, if you allow in that moment, it's very interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, for me too, for me too, because, and this kind of goes back maybe to being a man, right? Um, we're sort of taught in society that men are like macho and strong and all that. Not many men show their feelings. But like for me, when I express my feelings, uh, and when I just feel them and sit with them, especially in meditation, that's usually when I like really go deep with my feelings and like, I'll have times where I'm just sitting in, in stillness and quietness and like 
if I'm sad, like I'll just start crying and that's okay. Like, it's okay to cry. You know, if I, if I'm feeling upset, I'll just kind of feel frustrated, um, maybe a little bit angry for whatever reason, but then I'll also at the end, which is the most important part is like, figure out why I'm feeling like that and then find like the answers to not feel like that, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's such a, it's such an amazing tool that, that people can use, um, because I don't think a lot of people do it and it, it holds them back. I think, I think it impedes their, their progress. Totally. I also, I, I love that you brought up that, um, about like men in general, just because I think men have like such a challenge because there's like, it's just like a whole nother world. And one that I obviously cannot understand, but I can sympathize with is that like, I just feel like there is so much pressure on men to like have all their shit together, provide for Mm -hmm. a family, do all this, be strong and don't have any feelings about it. Don't show your feelings. Don't have any feelings about it. And I think that is so challenging. So I really love that you're doing this podcast. I think that like, it really opens people's minds and like, especially men that like, they can realize that like, it is okay to have feelings and it's totally normal to have feelings. And like, um, this last week we did a Reiki training class. And so we like attuned four different people to Reiki. And, um, there was a guy in the class, which was cool to have a guy there. Um, but he like used this analogy that like, we have to be a net, like we're all just like trying to support each other. And so like, sometimes that means that like the woman, if you're in a relationship and it's a heterosexual relationship, then like, I think that it's important for like women to allow men that like space, like allow that space for them to have feelings because like a lot of times, even we say that and we think that, but then if they do like, we're like, Oh my gosh, wait, what? (laughs) You're so strong. (laughs) Right. Right. And so like, I just think it's super important for everybody to realize that because like, I think men have a different beast to, (laughs) yeah, to battle um, or to overcome. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. And and in turn for, for a man having to go through that and deal with that, it will allow them to understand their partner's feelings, right? Cool. So like I'm able to understand my wife's feelings more than I used to be able to. Or maybe before I was like, oh, you're just being a woman, right? You're you're just mm-hmm. having emotions, you're emotional, whatever the typical like um kind of sexist thing to say yeah. or think, right? And yeah. then when and then when you able to are able to do the work yourself as a man, um, you understand it and then you're able to, um, appreciate and pick up on your partners or even just your friends feelings. Um, and you're able to sympathize and empathize and have more compassion towards their feelings. Totally. So why don't you talk about your business with your friend, the guided retreats? How did you get started? What, what were the reasons and, and all that? Well, let's see. Okay. So guided retreats is a business that my friend Amy Miller and I started And, um, we started it up in 2020 and the idea was really built, um, on one, we love to like meditate and journal and turn inward and do the work. Um, and we both love hiking and like being outdoors. And that is where we feel most present and like most ourselves. And so the idea was to like bring all of that and like to take mostly women, um, just because we feel like we can relate to them a little bit sure. better. No, of course. Yeah. Um, and I think we're evolving with that, but mm-hmm. in time anyway. Yeah, so sure. um, generally speaking, we'll take women into nature and 
just do meditation, things like that. Um, generally we'll do like guided meditation and then mindset work, all everything down that alley. Um, and so during the summers we'll do that, but in the winters, it's a little bit more challenging because we're in Idaho and it's a little (laughs) freaking here. Um, (laughs) and so we'll do like little workshop nights or like just nights of like meditation. Um, we have one coming up here soon and it'll just kind of be about like the restart like refresh of the new year and just like connecting Mm. like mind body soul and like letting go and allowing and setting intentions and things like that and so um it was all it all it all started with amy it was really like that was like her idea and she was just like do you want to do this with me and um if you are familiar with human design, I'm a projector. So I'm supposed to wait for the invitation. That's like the strategy, which honestly, okay. I really don't love that. <laughs> trying to learn to like love and embrace that. Yeah. Um, but so she came to me with this idea and I was like, yeah, I want to do it. Like, I think it's awesome. But I really felt like an imposter. Like I was like, I'm not qualified for this. Like I can't do this. I don't right. like, I was very stressed about that. Sure. And, um, but we decided to do it anyway. Like we saw the fear, acknowledged the fear and like chose to dive in anyway, just because we both felt like it was right for us. And so now we're going on like a year and a half, almost two. And it's honestly been amazing. It's amazing. I really love it. I'm super passionate about it. Um, I love that. I'm like, if I can even just help one person out there, then yeah. it feels like it's worth it for me. Oh, so, totally. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, if I, if I reach one person, yeah. that's enough for me. dude i can totally relate that's awesome good for you and and um what would you say like how often do you and amy do you like these little retreats do you is it like a weekly thing or like a monthly thing or does it kind of just depend on the timing and stuff like that it does kind of depend on the timing she's currently going to school full-time to become a counselor and so she's busy with all of that um and then i'd been pretty busy until like now my schedule's kind of settled down a little bit but probably about six events a year okay so like every few months or so we'll have like an event um we have yet to do like a weekend retreat but maybe this year so stay posted on that nice (laughs) how many women do you come usually um okay so it all kind of depends if we're going hiking we generally keep that the most we've done hiking is 15 girls okay um and so just where you're, you don't really have control over this like situation as much. Right. And so it's a lot easier to have it be less girls. Um, mm-hmm. And I really do love that because then I feel like you can get like more one-on-one and get like oh, a little totally. deeper into certain things. Um, and then we've done other events that'll range from like 30 to 50 women. Um, nice. Wow. Yeah. And that one's, that's easier if it's like indoors, things like Inside. that. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah. It's really cool. Honestly, I, it's yeah. amazing to me how much I love it. <laughs> no, that's, that's honestly really <laughs> I cool. I didn't think I would, but like, yeah, it's really cool. Uh-huh. I love it. Yeah. So yeah good for you. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, good for you and Amy. Uh, I'm proud of you that you have found that Avenue and, um, makes you happy and yeah. it's, you, you're also making other people happy. Um, let me ask you another question. Um, with all the women that you've worked with, is there any specific story of one of theirs that kind of comes to mind of maybe them coming the first time with whatever it was that they were going through and then seeing like a change in them, any type of like 
story that comes to mind or a person that comes to your mind that maybe you want to share like a brief, maybe you don't have to mention their names or like too many yeah. details, but, but just like a, maybe like a transformative story of somebody. There's two girls that come to my mind when I think of, and they just have been girls that, I mean, I think initially, like everybody's kind of nervous about that kind of thing. One, like yeah. a little uncomfortable, you're like kind of diving into yourself. Um, and then two, you're kind of doing it in a group setting. And I always was like really nervous about that too, but it's super interesting to like watch women come. And even if they feel nervous and then like other women start talking and they realize that they're not alone. And so I think it's really cool that like, it kind of builds this community and you kind of feel like you're less alone, but, um, there's one girl who I can think of who she has come to a lot of our events and even I just think her like living more intentionally. Um, I feel like I've been able to like see that within her um, and just kind of like certain things that she was holding on to and kind of carrying around that weren't serving her anymore and being able to mm-hmm. let go of those things. And um, I'm like a really big firm believer that like you can see it in people's like eyes. And so sure. I really feel like you can see it in her eyes. Like even just like, I'm not saying that her life has completely changed because doesn't always like the logistics of our lives don't always change but like our mindset like her mindset has changed so much and like you can just see it in her eyes like how um much more at peace she is and so I feel super lucky and super blessed that like I get to be like a small part of that because that's what like I feel like all of these tools have done for me so I'm like if I can give that to like one person that feels yeah no yeah no it feels amazing no I I feel the same way like if I'm able to help just one person like I said this on my podcast with somebody else before but like if I'm able to share a story whether it's mine or somebody else's like if I'm able to help like if that's able to to help just one person I'm so happy for that like I don't care if there's a thousand people listening if it helps just one of them like i'm i'm content like i'll stop doing the podcast like i'm happy like i met my goal you know you know what i yeah, mean like, like totally. i was talking to i was talking to a friend of mine who um was a couple of weeks ago and he was sharing his story of addiction he was di- addicted to a bunch of drugs and alcohol for a few years um in rehab out of rehab he served uh, some time in jail and stuff like that so just a lot of like really negative hard, um, hard stuff. Right. During that talk with him, I was just like, man, like your story can help so many people. He made that change to become sober. He's been sober for seven years now. And now he's helping other people. Like he's working with different rehabs and it's like, I wonder how many people he's helped probably Mm -hmm. a lot of people, Mm -hmm. you know, and if he wouldn't have gotten the help for himself, those people probably wouldn't have gotten the help from him. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like this domino effect, you yeah. know, and, um, I, I'm totally, I'm all for like harm reduction. I'm all for like recovery and finding, finding one's true self and finding your happiness. And it's really cool to see people like you, like Amy and others that are doing the work for yourselves, but also doing the work for others and guiding them. So, so bravo to you. I'm, I'm really happy that you're doing that. It, honestly, it makes me really happy. I remember when I saw your post, I think it was on Facebook um, a, f- a couple months ago. And I, th- I think I hadn't like seen you on social media at that point for a while. And when yeah. I saw the post, I was like, 
I know what she's up to. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I have to reach out to her because like that's props right. to you. Like that's really cool. You know, um, it's Thank fun to see. Y'all. Yeah. It's fun to see like changes in people. So yeah, totally. Anyways, um, I, I kind of want to step back a little bit because I know you mentioned how you got started with the guided retreats with Amy. You had mentioned to me before about you had a full-time job and then you sort of quit or left it to pursue this. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that and maybe the fear that you may have felt in doing that? Yeah. So I um, worked at a dental office and I had worked there for about five years and I loved it. I mean, I feel like I was good at it. I was like comfortable. Um, like financially it was good for me. So all of those things, like it was a very much like my comfort zone and I just kept like getting an itch that like (laughs) it was time to like step out of my comfort zone again. And I was just like, Oh, I don't want to do this. Like I'm not ready (laughs) for this. I was obviously stressed about it. Um, but it really was like in meditation that like, I, like knew that like for my growth and for my evolution, that it was like time for me to like step out of my comfort zone. And it was time for me to like move on a little bit. And so, um, that was really hard for me. It was really hard for me. I like loved the people I worked with and, um, I was like, my boss was really good to me. I'm super grateful for him and all that, like he had done for me. And so it was really hard for me to like step away from that. But it really was just like leaning into one, like my intuition, like I knew it was right for me. Um, yeah. I do feel very lucky and blessed that like, I feel like I've um, worked that muscle, I guess you could say that like, when I know something's right for me, I know something's right for me. Yeah. And so I very much knew that it was like time. And so it was scary. And I, I think that like fear is something we're going to experience forever and ever. Um, and our minds cannot tell the difference between like an emotional fear and a physical fear. And so like you take back to like caveman days and like it protects us because like yeah. the tiger walks in, we're going to have to like protect ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, mm-hmm. even when we have emotional fears of quitting our jobs, even though it sounds crazy, um, mm-hmm. it was like, I see it. I recognize that it's here and like, it's okay. Like I can still move forward anyway. And like, I can lean in. I don't know. I really think that it's like, you can lean into love or you can lean into fear. And yeah. so I like chose to like lean into love and it was like the universe is taking care of me and like, I'm taking care of me and like, I can do this and it's possible. Yeah. And yeah. if all else fails, I can get a job somewhere else. <laughs> For <And> so, sure. <laughs> like there's going to be a backup plan here, but yeah, um, I was, so I decided to do it. And so like, I took the leap and I like, ended up quitting my very comfortable job that I really loved and like stepped into kind of the unknown and, um, to kind of pursue like all of the things that I'm really passionate about. And, um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it's not hard (laughs) because I think it is. And I definitely have moments where I'm like, Holy shit, what did I do? Um, but (laughs) overall, um, it really is. It's given me one, I think it's like strengthened my like confidence in myself and like my love for myself. And I think it's just like, um, I don't even know what the word is, but like, I just, I do feel like there's a shift in me. I do feel like mm-hmm. I have let go of like a part of me that like, it's no longer 
necessary or wasn't serving me anymore. Mm. And I feel like it's allowed me to like evolve into what I'm doing now and like devote more time to it and hopefully help more than one person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Good for you. Thanks. Good for you. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. You know, fears, fear is a tough pill to swallow for totally. sure. Right. Totally. Um, so many, I mean, everyone has fear on some level. Um, for me, fear, I would say the past couple of years for, for me, fear has become more of my friend instead of my enemy. And, you know, before it was like, whenever I would be scared of something of an event or something work or whatever it might be, I would typically try to avoid it. Right. Which is probably what most of us do. We try to avoid that fear, that anxiety, or to like numb it in some way. And I've had a couple really strong spiritual experiences that have allowed me to face fear. And it's really been life-changing for me because, you know, there's lots of like quotes and things that you see that are like the kind of cliche things about fear, but like, it's really true. Like a lot of the, a lot of your happiness is on the other side of fear. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the things that you're going to be successful at or be happy with in your life in the future. Um, you can't really obtain that until you pass through that barrier of fear. And I think that's sometimes misunderstood by a lot of people. They try to go around that, that wall of fear somehow or go underneath it. And it's really best, I think, to just go right through it, to face it, to feel the fear and to be okay with it for a little while. You know what I mean? It's not like you have to beat it within one day. Cause that's not how life works, right? It takes time. It takes effort. You're, you're going to slip up and fall down and, and keep feeling fear, but the more you work at it, the easier it becomes. And that's something that I've noticed for me personally. And, um, now, now when I get scared of something, like I, I'm much more, it's much more easier for me to just go through with it. And that's not to say that I'm like not fearful because of course we, we're human, you know, we're all going to be afraid of whatever it might be that might be coming up, but it just, just that the more that you go through those fearful experiences, the easier it becomes. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it like when you do it, when you move through fear and you have like evidence that you're capable of doing it, I think it makes it easier for the next time, you know? Yeah. And so I do think that that's like a big reason why I was able to make that leap. And then I think another big part of it is also like, I truly believe that like you, the people you surround yourself with are like yes. big influences for you. And I feel super lucky that I have like a very supportive husband and like a very supportive family and like very supportive mm -hmm. friends who were like, yeah, you can do this. So when I do have my moments of fear, because like, they're going to show up, it's going mm. to show up. But when I have moments of fear that like, they're there to like, guide me back to like, no Tori, like, it's okay. You're fine. Like you got this. That's so cool. I think yeah, that's like a big part of it too. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's so important to have that support system, your, your, your spouse, your friends, your family, uh, because it becomes a lot difficult or more difficult when you don't have that. And then when you're, when you're on your own, it's, you get stuck in your head again. And then those thoughts come stronger and faster. And your ego is telling you like, don't do it. Don't do it. 
you know, so it's, it's so much easier to have that support system. And so I'm really happy that, that you have that. Um, yeah. I know that you had mentioned to me about a specific book. Do you want to talk about that book a little bit? Uh, yeah. So there is a book called the body keeps the score and it is one of like, it's probably in my top five favorite books. Um, and it really is, it just kind of dives into, there's lots of science in it. Um, it's a doctor who wrote it. So that's kind of why, but, um, he started studying like veterans and realized that like the things we go through, like the traumas or feelings, things they, we store them in our bodies. If we don't release them or express them, um, And I think that's what a lot of us do. Like when I said earlier, like feel your feelings, a lot of us don't, a lot of us like avoid it or we suppress it. And so I truly believe that like our emotions become physical things and they manifest themselves in our bodies. And, um, I don't know, a really good example I like to think of is like tears, like tears are a physical Mm. representation of an emotion that we have. And so, um, that book has like, I feel like has taught me a lot. Um, and it kind of led me, I mean, kind of two different ways, um, to Reiki, which is like a healing modality. Um, and it's a Japanese healing modality that really is all about like breaking up stagnant or stored energy within the body and replacing it with love and light. So so if you break the word Reiki down, it's universal love and light. And so it's just transferring that energy and like breaking up all that energy that's built up in our bodies and releasing it and then replacing it with the love and light. And so I think that book explains that really well, that like when we have things like traumas or we have feelings that we don't deal with or we suppress them or we avoid them, then they will manifest themselves and it can physically affect us. Um I don't know what else you want me to go into. Oh, that's, that's, that's great. <laughs> no, for sure. That's, that's amazing. No, yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to read that book for sure. Cause I actually looked, I looked it up before we got on here. And I was like, yeah. I wanted to see kind of what it was about. And yeah, it yeah. sounds, it sounds fascinating. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm, I promise you, I'm going to read it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to write up a book report and give it to you. After. <laughs> you, can, you can grade I look forward to it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> No, that's awesome. It's so true though. I mean, we, we, we store our, our trauma within ourselves. And if we don't deal with it, like you said, it manifests itself physically. And that's where a lot of sicknesses and um, diseases can come more anxiety. You know, it's, it's interesting that in like our modern society with like more Western medicine, how we don't, uh, how they don't typically see like the more holistic side of things like like the mind and the body go together and how like the mind is so powerful like our brains are so extremely powerful that like even like the subconscious like even like the placebo effect right it's it's so Mm -hmm. like real like it's such a strong thing and it's such a powerful thing that our mind has for our bodies and you know positive thinking is so important Like if you think about it, like something as simple as like waking up in the morning and maybe you're going to go to work and maybe you don't like your job that much and you're thinking about how you don't like your job and then you're you're driving to work and you're thinking about, man, this sucks. I have to work eight hours today. I have to work with this person who I don't like. I have to go and do this, which I don't like. That's just, it just keeps on building up and adding up. And then it makes your 
dislikeness is that a word you're dislike you you not liking that that job even worse mm-hmm. right and your your mindset going in as you enter work is already preset to not enjoy it and it's set to ex- to expect disaster you know and so if if we can just try to understand that first of all and then put that into practice and and instead of thinking all the negative things think okay today i'm going to work I don't really love my job, but I'm going to give it my all. Um, I'm going to talk to more people today. I'm going to be, be more friendly. And the more and more people do that, the more and more one does that, it becomes easier. And you you get along with people more and your, your work day isn't as stressful. And then after, as you keep doing that day by day, um, it, maybe you end up loving your job, right? Or maybe yeah. you end up meeting somebody that you didn't really talk to before that you had a connection with that connects you with somebody else who gives you an opportunity to work somewhere else, you know? So, so, you know, back, just back to the the power of thinking positively and just really trying to not only think positively, but to act upon it. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I totally think there's like, um, room for both like Eastern and Western medicine. Definitely. Right. Like there's definitely like chemical imbalances that do prevent people from letting, from that being so simple and so easy. Um, but I do think that there's a huge, like if we could put some emphasis on the like mindset stuff and like, some people might want to punch me in the face for saying this, but like, whatever you're not happy with, you're choosing because like, it's true. Like on a technicality, that job you don't like, you don't have to go. No one's forcing you to go. No one's like holding a gun to your head and is like, go to this job or I'm going to kill you. It's like, whatever you're unhappy with, like you're choosing. So like, if that's the case, like you get to choose how you feel about it as well. And if you're, and it's like, yeah, we do have to pay bills. And yes, there are the logistics of things, but like, honestly, like you technically don't have to go. So like you're choosing that. So like, let's, if you, if it's a choice, then that means that like, I get to do these things. Like there's just, you yeah. can rephrase it a lot. And so, and it definitely does like change the outcome of like how you feel about it. And I think especially even like, just not being a victim to it, like taking accountability that like, this is my life and I, and I am in control of it. And yeah. maybe there are some things that like, I mean, like anxiety and depression, like those are things that I don't think are so easily like think, think this way about it. And it's going to, of course, everything. I don't want to take away from that no, but sure. like when those chemical imbalances are not there, I think that it definitely is possible to like change the outlook of your life. Um, there was a while ago, there was like this song and it was just like, I can't even the chorus basically was like, I'm just so sick of the same old shit. And like, mm-hmm. I listened to this song and I just like was crying because I was just like, it just like mm-hmm. hit me. Like I was yeah. just like over it. I was like over like what my life was like. I was like over the way things were. And it was really, and this was like years ago. And then it was really when I like kind of dove into meditation and journaling and like all the mindset stuff. And then like probably like a year later, I heard that song and I was just like, my life is so different now. And not because anything had changed. I was still working at the same job. I still like was struggling with like having a baby. I was still struggling with like X, Y, and Z, like all of these things. Right. But like, I felt so much differently about my life, even though it looked the same on paper. 
And so it was just super, like the contrast was crazy to me to see like how much even just changing my mindset, like changed my whole entire life. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. Proof right there of how, of how one can, Mm -hmm. um, kind of think more positively. And, um, like you said, you know, even though it's the same on paper, it's your, it's more your outlook and how you see and perceive what's in front of you. Yeah. You know? totally. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Let me ask you about breath work. When did you get, did you get started with breath work soon after meditation? Yeah. So I went through, I mean, I had gone to like a couple, like a little retreat things mm. and that was kind of where I was introduced to breath work. Um, and then I took like this challenge of doing like meditating, journaling, and doing breath work every single day for a month. And so, and I just did the holotrophic breath work. Oh yeah. We burnt train that, but no, you're good. That's it. Um, and so I'm no genius on breath work. Don't get me wrong, but it's crazy to me, like how much I do feel like in those 30 days we're super transformational for me. Mm. Um, and I think it really was like, just like breaking down like those barriers and it allowed me to like turn inward quicker. It allowed me to like break those things down and release like things that it was no longer serving me that I didn't need to hold on to anymore. And a lot of that I feel like was through breath work. Mm, That's really cool. Yeah. I got started with breath work uh, last year, probably like the end of last year or like the last half of the, of the year of 2021. Um, I kind of did some like practices, um, like a year ago with my brother-in-law who's really into it. And we did like the really like deep 20 minute, like extreme, like breathing heavily in and out and then holding your breath for like, as long as you can, which is crazy. Cause you can hold your breath for like four minutes and you're like, wow, I never knew I could <laughs> do that. <laughs> um, but it's so crazy how like the feeling you get afterwards is like, at least for me, like it was like bliss. Like mm-hmm. it was just, I was so happy. I felt so light and like clear headed, um, just more energy, more clarity. And when I do it now, I don't do it as intense as I used to, but I'll, I typically do like, I, I try to do like 10 minutes a day when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I do it, man, like it's, I notice a huge change. Like yeah. it's, it's crazy. Like, and it's so simple. Like everybody can do it. You know what I mean? You can do it in the morning. You can do it at night. You can do it in your car. Um, I usually do it in my car before work. I'm the kind of guy that like never likes to be late for work. So like, I'm always like an hour early <laughs> and I, I use that time. I'll, I'll sit in my car and like, I'll, I'll meditate in my car a lot or like listen to a podcast. Um, but most of the time I'll meditate and I'll kind of like mentally prepare for my day. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it makes my day easier. Right. And then I'll do some breathing, breathing exercises and man, like it's, it's crazy how, how effective it is because Mm -hmm. before when I thought about breath work, I was like, that kind of sounds silly. Like screw that. You know, like I don't want to have to breathe and like do all this stuff, but, but, but when you do it, like it's, it's such a release. Like you said, you release so much like negative energy Mm -hmm. and you take in so much more like positive energy. And I actually recently with one of my um, good friends, his dad, me and him, we did a little like, um, we, we jumped, it was early in the morning. We jumped in the cold water in his pool. Mm -hmm. So it was like 45 degrees or something, um, (laughs) kind of like an ice bath. Right. Yeah. And we did some breathing exercises first. 
and we kind of meditated uh, for a little bit first as well. And then we just jumped in the pool. Have you ever done like an ice bath or anything like that? No. Dude, Tori, you got to do it. Honestly, it's, I know it sounds like scary because it's like, obviously nobody wants to be cold, (laughs) especially in water. But dude, honestly, it's, it is badass. Like you, um, have you heard of Wim Hof? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. So like, um, he teaches a lot of some basic things and there's a lot of YouTube videos you can watch, but, um, what we did, we, um, we did some breath work, um, like some really fast breathing out of one nostril, then, then, then the other one individually, then both. Um, and then we got in the pool and it's crazy because as you, as you get in, into the water, you want to like, um, exhale as you're, as you're entering the water, because if you hold it in, you're going to more like, you're going to, it's more likely you're going to panic and get like, Oh, and get all cold, you know? And then Mm -hmm. that makes the experience worse. But if you like, as you're getting in, you breathe out Mm -hmm. and just kind of let it, I mean, obviously it's going to feel cold, right? I mean, that's not lie to ourselves, (laughs) but, um, when I did it last with him, I think it was like three weeks ago. Um, like no joke. Um, after 10, 10, 20 seconds of being in the water, like it wasn't cold anymore. Hmm. And he, and he was kind of guiding me cause he's been doing it longer. So he would kind of like tell me like to breathe in certain ways and then to hold it for a few seconds and then, then to release. And as I was doing the breath work inside the cold water, like, wow. Like I, hmm. it got to the point where I was like able to like move around in the water. I went all the way underneath the water. And I was like, sort of like doing mini laps, like in the, in the deep end. And like, it didn't feel cold anymore. Wow. Like it was crazy. Cause at first my toes, my fingers were like really cold, right? Like the extremities. Um, and then it was just like peace Yeah. and it was just like a calming effect. And afterwards the rest of my day was like, totally like amazing. It was like, I was so much more alert so much more focused, so much more happy. And it was crazy just to think that just a simple breathing exercise along with some cold therapy can do wonders for somebody. So I always, well, I don't always, but I, a lot of times I'll, I'll tell people um, to do that. Like even just, just breathing, like, Hey, take 10 minutes out of your day and do these simple techniques. You know, I can, these are some ways you can do it. Um, and see how you feel afterwards, you know, and then maybe the next time, the next day, you can go a little bit longer. Maybe you can breathe a little bit more intensely. And there's so many benefits from it. You know, there's so many modalities that we can use so many tools that we have to, to use, to utilize. Um, you know, a lot of people meditate, they do breath work, they do journaling like yourself, Reiki. Um, I know a lot of people that, uh, that use plant medicines and all these things that, that really help us to, to find out like our true self, to deal with our traumas, to gain insights, to, to heal essentially, right? It's all about healing. And the more we heal, the happier we become and the more likely we're able to, to help out the next person. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And it's been a huge change in my life. I, um, like I told you in the beginning, like I used to be an atheist. Like I, I did not believe in any God. And I felt like I was really lied to from, from the church after leaving. And I just kind of 
had this bitterness and disdain towards it all. And it made me like just really unhappy. And I, as much as it kind of hurts me to say it, like I was really like judgmental towards like other people. And so I'm really grateful, honestly, Tori, that I've been able to find these different tools that have helped me to change my mind, to evolve Mm -hmm. myself. And that's the purpose of this podcast, you know, but it's just about evolving our, our minds, evolving our our attitudes, our behaviors, our what we believe in, what we don't believe in, what what no longer serves us, uh, and what does serve us. Because there's so much out there in the world. We're we're just such small little dots on this on this planet, and there's so much to learn from from the whole world. You know, like for me, maybe maybe this applies to you. But growing up, like I was I was Mormon. I was in the Mormon bubble, being a white person from America not ever really going out into the world, learning about different religions or different cultures. And it's, there's, it's amazing how there's so many new or not new, but so many different ideas and um, ways of going about living your life that most of us aren't really exposed to in America because we're kind of stuck in our way. We, we don't, not everyone travels or not everyone's open-minded enough to, to accept that and try it out. Mm-hmm. So I'm really grateful that I've been able to meet friends that are from different backgrounds, different cultures, and to just be humble to, to accept that and to learn from it. Cause there's much to learn. And I'm all about learning from everybody. Everybody has something to teach. Mm-hmm. Every culture has something to teach. Every religion has something to teach. And, um, I try to take all the goods, all the good things from each of those things and kind of leave out the bad things, you know? Yeah, totally. And what I, what I really love about that is like taking all of those things for you and what's right for mm. you. Yeah. And I think like one of the biggest things is like, just because something's right for me, doesn't mean it's right for somebody else. And so yes. like, I love that there's so many tools and so many different things that we can utilize to like heal and grow and become better people and become the people we want to be. Um, but it doesn't always look the same for everybody. And so yeah. I love that there's like, Maybe breathwork works great for me and you, but it doesn't work great mm. for Joe sure. over there. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, like, sure, sure. I, but I love that. Like, and I think that that was something that like, um, kind of leaving the church was something that like, just because like, this is the right thing for you doesn't mean it's necessarily right for me. And that's okay. It's not yeah. right or wrong. It's just like, this is what's for me and like, yeah. take what's for me and leave what's not. And That's something that like a phrase that like Amy and I will use at like a lot of our events is like, I'm going to stand up here and I'm a human. And like, I'm probably going to say something that maybe rubs you the wrong way. And one acknowledge why it rubs you the wrong way. But like, also if it, if it does and you don't want to take it, then don't like, just because I think that this is great. Doesn't mean that you will. And that's Mm -hmm. totally fine. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's like super important is like teach their own, just like we're all, we're all just like doing the best that we can with the level of awareness that we have. And like, take what's for you and leave what's not. Uh, I love that. Yep. Amen to that. Um, Well, Tori, um, I'll wrap this up, but I do want to ask you one last question. The question is, if you could share one message to the entire world, what would that message be? I have two, so I'm struggling. You can, you can (laughs) use both, please. (laughs) Um, My first one is you're your own healer or you're your own medicine. I, I use it interchangeably. Um, yeah. I use it like depending on the scenario. Um, but I really think that like, 
that's something that learning that has helped me so much. Like I don't need to turn outward for someone else to heal me or um, help me or make decisions for me. It's like really all about like turning inward. Um, so I think that like you're your own medicine. You really are. Um, and like our bodies are a medicine and they're like the vessel in which we get to heal and um, just like connecting to our bodies and allowing ourselves to heal ourselves, I think is magic. Yeah. Um, okay. The second one that comes to my mind is being, wow, sorry. That was really loud. Close the um, podcast. The second one that comes to my mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, okay. The second one that comes to my mind is um, be here now. And I think that's just so that. vital, like be here now, like live in the present moment because I definitely am a person who like is very guilty of like, I'll be happy when I'll be happy when, mm -hmm. and like always like yeah. constantly striving for like the next thing, instead of just like living in the present moment and being grateful for the things that I have. And like, if I can't find happiness here, chances are I'm not going to find it over the mm -hmm. next little hump. And okay. so that's been something that I actually got it tattooed on me because oh, nice. remember, <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, that's a, I would love to get that one too. I, I really yeah. love, did you, did you get that from Ram Dass? I'm assuming. Oh, I don't oh, even know. Oh, okay. So do, do you know who, <laughs> no, you're fine. Do you know who Ram Dass is? No, oh, I feel gosh. like I should though. You definitely should, Tori. I'm a little <laughs> Where have you been all your life, girl? Come on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, so Ram Dass, um, so he was a psychologist um, at, at Stanford University. Um, he grew up in, I think, Brooklyn. Uh, or New Jersey, I want to say. So he was a psychologist and he taught in like the 60s. Ram Dass, so his actual name um, is uh, Richard Alpert, um, but he changed his name to Ram Dass. So he went to, eventually he moved to India for a little while and he met this guru there and he lived there for a while and he would kind of travel to and back or to and from there. And he kind of became like this really spiritual leader, if you want to call it that. He passed away, but I don't think he would call himself like a guru or like a spiritual leader, but he became one and he had like a really big following and he would do a bunch of like retreats, um, lots of meditation, lots of yoga, lots of different practices. And um, he has a, a bunch of books that he's written for me. Like he's been such a huge spiritual guide for me like the things that he's has said. Um, there's lots of like videos of him on YouTube and there's a podcast that he's, that somebody made of like his lectures and things, but mm -hmm. there's so much to learn from him. I'm actually reading a book by him right now. It's called being Ram Dass. It's a kind of like a memoir um, mm -hmm. of his life, you know? And, but he's, he kind of coined the phrase be here now. Yeah. He actually has a book called be here now. Okay. And it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's essentially about what you were saying, be, being in the present moment, like how important it is to, to be in the present moment and to not live in the past, to not live in the future. What we have right now is right now. And that's the most important. Obviously we need to like plan about the future because we, yeah. there's lots of logistical things we need to be prepared for. But the main thing that I took away from that is um, being here now, wherever you are, whether that's with your children for in, in my case with your husband in your case with your with amy mm -hmm. and what you guys do together being in the moment and not letting 
those thoughts of anxiety of tomorrow or of yesterday get in the way of that. Mm-hmm. It's um, yeah. So that's, that's Ram Dass. There's so much more I could tell you about him, but that's sort of yeah. like the gist of who he was. He passed away, I think two years ago, he, but he was a really big inspirational spiritual person. And yeah, yeah. I definitely recommend you look him up because he, he did a lot of really great things and he was a great person. And I've learned so many things from, from Ram Dass. So it's R-A-M-D-A-S-S. And Ram Dass was a name given to him by a guru in India, um, which basically means like servant of God. Um, so Ram is like God. And then Das is like, I'm sorry, Das is God. And then Ram is like, like a servant or like a disciple sort of. Yeah. Um, so that was the name given to him. And that's the name that he kind of went by. But definitely check him out because he will blow your mind. Like the okay. stuff that you, the stuff that you're doing now with Amy, like by yourself, with the work that you're doing, mm-hmm. will definitely resonate with what he was doing back in the '60s and the '70s and the '80s. Like, it's yeah. so powerful. Like he's really cool. Um, cool. But anyways, so some homework for you now. Okay. Yeah. I I expect um, a, a 20, 20 page essay. Yeah. <laughs> I will give M- you MLA format. All the things. You know? Yeah. Done and done. Yeah, cool. uh, I'll look him up. Chances are fun fact about you, me uh-huh. is someone will be like, do you know who this person is? And I'm like, no, no idea. No clue. And then I look him up and then I'm like, oh yeah, I know who that is. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you, I'm sure you know. And I'm so sure I'm like, I can just before. see this happening already because I do it all the time. <laughs> but yeah, I will look him up and I will give you yeah. a full report. MLA format. Yes. You have two days to do it, Tori. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That, that and an ice bath. I'll get back yes. to you. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Honestly, I think you would, I, I honestly think you probably have already heard of him. Just the name probably hasn't, um, it's come to you. Got to work on yeah. that. Yeah. There you, yep. Got to do some more <laughs> integration work, Tori. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> be here now. Honestly, I, I love that thought. And I, I, I would, I would agree with you as well. Well, um, any last words from you Any anything else you want to talk about or share? No, I think I'm good. Just thank you for having cool. me. I like love chatting yeah. about all this stuff. I could talk for days about all of it. So me I appreciate too. you letting me share my voice about all of it. Yeah, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. Honestly, thank you for coming on. I've had a blast talking to you, learning from you, and uh, we'll have to definitely stay in touch. Sounds good. I mean, you'll be getting my report soon. Yes. So. And you have only a couple days. So I know. If I, don't, if I don't see that in my email here pretty soon, then <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be calling Fire. you <laughs> for sure. I'm like, Amy, you got to, you know, you got to find a, a new person yeah. because you're, she's, she's more of the driving force. I just show up. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Awesome. Well, Tori, again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I, I appreciate your time. Hopefully I didn't take up too much of your evening. I know you're an hour ahead of me. So yeah, no, you're fine. Thank you for chatting with me. Thank you. Likewise, have a great night, all right? You too, bye-bye. All right, bye.